This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Welcome to this week's edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan back with you. It's a short turnaround for the Vikings this week, so a short turnaround for the podcast as well. We're recording this on a Tuesday after a, a very, very disappointing Vikings loss to the Detroit Lions on Sunday, Matt. Uh, in a season of disappointing losses, that one uh, is right up at the top. Uh, uh, it's, it's far and away the most disappointing loss for the season uh, because it's the most typical Vikings loss. I mean, you just got the, I was nervous going into this game. I know you were too, um, because most successful teams don't lose to an 0 10 and one team, but that's not the, the Minnesota Vikings history. Minnesota Vikings history says they they're the team that lose this game. Um, and so this is, this is, this one really stings and is one of the losses we've had um, in the last couple of years, in my opinion. Yeah, last year I kind of draw a, a line through because of all the injuries, and that somewhat came up in, in this game. I, I more was nervous, not because of any past history, more so, as I said, weeks ago, months ago, um, that this was their fourth road game in five weeks. I don't care who it's against. Um, when you play your fourth road game in five weeks, including two trips to the West Coast, your only home game in there was a hard-fought win over the Green Bay Packers. Um it was, this was going to be a tough game. I mean, uh, back in the Eastern time zone um, and you were really banged up. It, so you, so you, you put the fourth road game in five weeks. This is not to make an excuse for, for losing. They shouldn't have lost, but when you put in that schedule on top of the injuries, you could see why it might be a challenging game going in. Um, and they, they had a ton of injuries defensively, uh, most notably, Eric Kendricks. And, and this is how the season has gone. They get Tomlinson and Pierce back on the defensive line together for the first time since week four, I believe. And Detroit really didn't run up the middle. They ran to the perimeter. Why? Because the, the week they get those two behemoth defensive tackles back, Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr are out. Um, and Detroit had a lot of success running the football to the edges um, and, and and they were definitely taking advantage of, of the DNs missing both Hunter and, and Griffin out. And then those two uh, stud linebackers missing as well. And Patrick Peterson missing, uh, who's a pretty good tackling cornerback also. <laughs> so they, they had a ton of deficiencies on defense, but really um, the first half is what lost in that game. I mean, you can't be down 20 to six to the Detroit lions. And you had chances those first two drives to score touchdowns. They settled for two, two red zone field goals. Again, the, the bugaboo for this team right before the half, again, they allowed points this time. I believe it was six points in the final two minutes um, when they inexplicably, and I'm a big Mike Zimmer fan, as you know, um, I think this was may, probably his worst in-game coaching of the season when you talk about the decision to not go for or to go for it rather on fourth and 10 from the Detroit 40 
there was a there, there was pressure we couldn't figure out the pressure all first half they did a credit Detroit they did a good job with their blitz packages and pressure uh, schemes and were confusing a new look Vikings O-line um Again, they shifted up the O line, put Oliudo left yeah, tackle. I, I, don't, Brad I don't get how they center, shifted. Mason Cole, Mason Cole, right guard. But the, the fourth down, the four, and we'll get back to that O line move in a sec. The fourth down, though, they go for it instead of punting. They punt deep there. There's 30 seconds. Detroit is like one timeout. They're going to probably uh, take a knee and go to half, 17 to six. Instead, you give them three more points, which turned out to be a big difference. And then also chasing points. They went for two way too early could have made it 20 to 16 instead they go for two to try to be down by by three but then you know really the vikings lost by three points that's three uh three extra points right there that they could have had if they hadn't gone for two the first time they wouldn't have had to the second two times so it, it was um and, and then the clock management i'll say that the clock management at the end of the game was horrendous they they could have Got into a situation. They, they snapped the ball with about 10 on the play clock on a third and, and short, got the first down. And because of that, there was like 244 left before the two minute warning. So they had to run the first and goal play before the two minute warning. Had they run a little bit more time off, um, they could have potentially gotten it down to about 40 to 50 seconds or less when Detroit got the ball back instead they got the ball back with a minute 50 no timeouts but a minute 50 is plenty of time uh as we saw so it, it was a series of, of blown opportunities uh six points in the first half giving up 20 it, the whole the th whole thing was a complete debacle and then the final the final defensive play the right defense was on I mean if if Cam Dantzler executed for some reason Cam Dantzler was guarding the back of the end zone wasn't guarding the goal line. Xavier Woods was was late on the scene as well. But if Cam just makes that play as he should have done, we're talking about an entirely different scenario. You're saying, well, it wasn't a great performance, but they escaped. Cam played that very poorly in a very clutch situation. Have to think if Patrick Peterson was out there, may have been a different result. But uh, yeah, a lot of disappointments. You 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 were uh, you were when I mentioned the O line getting very antsy. <laughs> this was this was Mike Zimmer's maybe worst coaching job with the Vikings. Period. I mean, you can maybe find another game, but I mean, the O line decision was horrific. You know, uh, you know, Udo's been bad all season, and then to move him over there to to left tackle was was an awful decision. Unless the unless there's something up with Rashad Hill, but according to the injury report, there's not. Uh, and, and Rashad struggled earlier this year, but that would have been one change rather than making three position changes along. The yeah, it, it, it just it, the whole thing just didn't make sense. There had to have been a better solution than that. So that was terrible. You mentioned the two point conversions. You mentioned the fourth and ten. Uh, you mentioned the, the the not pressuring. You finally got yeah. pressure on Jared Goff in the second half, and then just played prevent that whole you know Three uh, rush final, drive. final drive. Yeah, yeah, it, that made no sense. The clock management you mentioned at the end. I, I mean, it was just an utter an utter failure. Yes, I know they had defensive issues and all that, but or uh, injury issues. But here here's the thing, Marshall. I, I went to look in you know, look at the injury stats for the Vikings and how they compare to other teams this year. 
you know, and they have nine players on the IR and they've had 32 starts missed because of injuries. And yes, they're key players. Cardinals have 16 players on the IR and have missed 43 starts. And that includes players such as Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and J.J. Watt, key players there. The Titans, eight and four, 18 players on IR, 37 starts missed, includes important players like A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, Bud Dupree. The Green Bay Packers have more than double the starts missed and includes Zadarius Smith, Jerry Alexander, uh, you know, uh, Bakhtari, uh, Aaron Rodgers missed a start. The Ravens have been just decimated by industries, injuries in eight and four. The reality is, is that the Vikings injuries put, you know, while they stink, it put, they're, they're about at the middle of the pack in the NFL and teams have had way just as important of injuries and way more injuries and done better. The, this, this was an utter disaster of a game. Everyone deserves blame in it. But I think still the most mystifying thing to me, I get all the injuries, was that it, it is this pattern, as you mentioned, of the defense giving up points in the last two minutes and their inability to close a game. They're now 0-8 in you know, go-ahead drives allowed late in the fourth quarter. That's not Mike Zimmer defense. I know they were bad last year, but like this is this is supposed to be his bread and butter. And they and they've got enough talent and they spent all this money in the offseason and they've been terrible in closing out halves and games. And I, I, I'm I'm at a loss. And that, that doesn't excuse the offense going quiet at the end of halves and in the middle of the games. But the reality is, is, you know, we can't rely on the offense to put these teams away every single time and to come back, you know, you know, basically every single game in the fourth quarter put us ahead and then have the defense blow it. You can't win games like that. Yeah, I think the ends of games, your point about the defense has a lot of merit. Um, I think the ends of halves, both sides of the ball are yep. equally responsible. I mean, it's it's not like they've scored a lot of points, but for the half, they've put the defense on the field uh, far, far too many times. The time management's been bad. So it's, it's players coaching, there's a disconnect. Um, we were we were arguing over text after the game. You were more mad about the defense um, overall this season. I was more mad about the offense. And um, the injury numbers are interesting. Um, but I looked at some other numbers. And, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago. The offense is too hit or miss. They either march right down the field and score or they're quickly off the field. And, and complementary football is so – key time of possession um continuing drives third downs detroit by the way was terrible on third down on sunday like you look at all the numbers it's mystifying how detroit won that game uh the vikings were one to take give they were plus one um detroit tried to give it twice on fourth down went for it in their own territory including that last inexplicable time when the vikings made a really great defensive play blake lynch who had a hell of a game filling in for Barr and Kendricks, stripped Goff. Xavier Woods had the back covered out of the backfield, and Goff had nowhere to go with, with the ball. Um, but here, here's something I, I looked at. So the Vikings have had 12 games in, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. In seven of the 12 games, they've had three or more three and outs. 
they've had they've had games with four, four, five, four, 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 three and outs. That's unacceptable. When you have a defense that's been as banged up as they have, and the offense coming into the year was supposed to carry this team at least initially. I know they made a lot of changes on defense, but the de- but you know it takes time to to mesh some of those new guys and some of those returning guys. The offense was fourth in the league last year in yards. Yeah, they lost Gary Kubiak, but Clint Kubiak was supposedly going to run a very similar scheme. Um, the offense didn't carry them. I mean. Their first two games against Cincinnati and Arizona, they had four three and outs in each game. The Cleveland game, when they scored seven points, they only scored on the first drive of that game. They had five three and outs in that game. Then the Dallas game, how about that game? Remember the Cooper Rush game? Yes, the defense let Cooper Rush go down the field at the end. The Vikings had four three and outs in that game. And the majority of these, by the way, are coming in the second half when the defense is already tired and you're putting them right back out on the field against, you know, not Cooper rush necessarily, but Lamar Jackson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and um, some other, some other good quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, uh, the Baltimore game. They had three, three and outs in that game, the San Francisco game. They had two, three and outs and two possessions that lasted one play because they turned it over on the first play. Kurt's interception and Dalvin's fumble when Oliudo got pushed back and caused Dalvin to get injured and, and fumble. So, I mean, they're just not sustaining drives enough. That's, that's one thing with the offense. Uh, we can start there. Then I mentioned Oliudo, and you mentioned him earlier, making his first start at left tackle. He leads another thing that's been a problem, penalties. The Vikings average seven penalties per game for their, their whole team. That's 26th in the NFL. So near the bottom. Ole Udo has 11 accepted penalties against him. 14 overall, so three were declined. That is the most in the NFL. So when a flag's thrown, it's almost like you're assuming it's going to be holding number 74 offense. Uh, most of those penalties are holding, by the way. There's a few false starts in there. I think there's a 15-yard penalty in there as well. So, so there's some numbers that sh- th- this offense just has shot themselves in the foot too many times with penalties. And also, you, you can't be that hot and cold. And then you're losing field position and you're losing time of possession. And, and you look like at the Baltimore game, for example, this isn't all on the offense, but the Baltimore game, they were minus over 22 minutes in time of possession. The Dallas game, minus five minutes. Uh, the San Francisco game, minus 14 minutes. Yeah, I but mean, eight I mean, of those minutes, Marshall, sure. eight of those minutes came on the last drive when Mike Zimmer's defense couldn't get him off the field. So yeah. I, 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 I get fine. your point. I, I totally see the, the offense is, is way too hot and cold. I totally agree with it. And I think you hit the nail on the head on penalties because how many drives have we seen this year where they maybe even have an explosive play on first down and there's a hold or there's something else that one, you know, or the next play is a foul start and we're getting too many third and longs 
where the you know offensive line can't block enough for Kirk. Kirk panics. The play calls become too conservative, and we check down and get off. Can't sustain a drive, and they don't really you know push the envelope. And and that's all indicative of the off you know of the offensive identity, the play calling, but and, you know some of Kirk's you know deficiencies. But a lot of it has to do with as we've said for year after year after year, they've not fixed this offensive line and they've they've coped with it by getting the ball out of Kirk's hands a lot faster this year, but it still is a huge problem. Uh, He's not getting enough time to throw and they're getting penalized too much, but despite all of that, and I, I, you know, so I'd put it this way, you know, the offense should be an a offense that's running at about a B level and they're, you know, the total offense, they're ninth, they're eighth in passing, rushing their 16th, yards their seventh, points scored their 11. And I agree the other the other rushing thing is, at 16th is a big problem. I agree. It and, that, and, and that, it, it's like we were talking about with Robbie last week. There's something off in the running game, whether it's Rick Dennison yep. not being there uh, in person, he's only there virtually. Um, and there, there, there's just or or whatever schemes Clint Kubiak has changed up in the running game, something is off even when Dalvin's been healthy. I completely agree on that. And, you know, and, and they aren't converting enough to your point and where I also hold the offense. When you get in the red zone, you got to score touchdowns. And there've been too many instances where they've left points on the field. They were best in the league last year. Last year, they were best in the league in the red zone offensively. So, you know, those are all problems, but they're still, while they're an A offense in talent they're and they're running at a B um, you know, in nine of 11 games, you know, or nine of 12, you know, one of them, they never had the opportunity because they were, you know, uh, it, it never reaching that point. They've had a game winning drive in the fourth quarter where they've been successful. Um, and they, and they've had a seven point lead in 11 out of 12 games. So despite the deficiencies, despite them being an A student, that's getting a B, they're still getting a B and they're still leading to those results. The defense is a B minus unit on paper. Uh, maybe if injuries and all that, you want to say they're a C plus unit that's performing at a D minus They're 30th in total defense. They're 22nd in pass defense, 30th in rushing defense, 25th in points allowed and go ahead drives allowed late in the fourth quarter. They're batting zero for eight and they've given up a lead of seven plus points in 11 of 12 games. And, and we hit on it before the going back to the, the points allowed, uh, right before the half in the last two minutes or, or at the end of games, they've given up 101 points in those last two minutes at the end of halves or at the end of games. The record in one season is 107 points that was given up by the same Minnesota Vikings last year in 2020, but they're already at 101 with more games to play. There's just, there's something that's this, this defense just, they have moments where they they hold people, and I, I do acknowledge the fact that the offense is making them stay on the field for too long by not sustaining drives and the issues there. But but I'd rather be the A student that's getting a B than the B minus a C plus student that's nearly flunking. I, I, and that's I, I what I think, think is the situation here. The well, only I think the only unit both... that is the only unit that's actually performing well and and actually above. Is the special teams ironically? Special teams has been very good. Yeah, credit yeah. give Ryan Ficken a lot of credit. They they totally they were the worst in the league last year. They're now one of the best units. Greg Joseph, ever since that missed kick at Arizona, has been fantastic. Jordan Berry has been really good. 
uh, punting the football. Um, Dede Westbrook has kind of been up and down as the punt returner. Kenne Wangwu has been phenomenal uh, returning kicks, already two for touchdowns. Um, his work as a running back last week left something to be desired, but I don't think it was blocked up well either. I, I will say, I don't think the offense is an A unit on paper when, when you, when you have Ole Udo and Garrett Bradbury on your, offense. I'll give you that point. That's, that's, that's and middle of the pack running game. No, that, that they may have a skill position players. Kirk Cousins yes. has played like a top 10, maybe even better quarterback this year uh, at, at times. He's been a little bit off the past few weeks, I would say. Past two in particular, but still plenty good enough to win. Uh, Justin Jefferson is elite. I mean, my good, my goodness. I think he had 160-plus receiving yards on first down in this situation. Unbelievable. And almost 200 for the game. Well, and, career, and Marshall. Day, it, was, it was fantastic again. Marshall, and to that point, we were texting during the game and, you know, after Thielen went out, you know, we were saying, well, you, you just got to target Jefferson. It's like, I know he's being blanketed and all that. And all of a sudden they started targeting him and finding other ways to get open and good things happened in the offense click. So he, he's yeah. just unbelievable. They found, they, they made some adjustments offensively in the second half. Madison got going a little bit on the ground and, and also Kirk had some more time and, uh, and he was able to find JJ um, he made a really nice, Kirk made a really nice play escaping from pressure off his left side, kind of scooted out to the right and looped it to KJ Osborne, who had a nice diving catch touchdown. So there were some bright moments, but, but not, not enough of them. Um, I'll say this too. And we, I think both of us making these points, you know, you stressing the defensive deficiencies, I'm kind of stressing the offensive deficiencies a little more, but it goes to this point. It just hasn't clicked. The times, they're not meshing together at the same times. You know, that, that Chargers game was maybe the best example of offense and defense clicking. Um, Zimmer had Herbert off his game from the get-go um, in that one. And he came out in the second half, went right down the field. But after that, Zim adjusted again, and, and the defense did a great job. Cam Bynum had a great game, filling in for, for Harrison Smith. Um, and, and the offense played well. But other than that, I mean, you're seeing game like Cleveland. The defense played well in that game. Baker Mayfield was awful. But the, the defense played pretty well in that game, 14 points. They'll take that every time. Offense scores seven. Um, the defense in the beginning of the Green Bay game was really good. Had Rodgers confused with the safety look in the first half. Then the end of the first half happens again, and, and, and Rodgers gets back into the game. Um, San Francisco, there were, you know, hot and cold moments for both sides of the ball. Um, so it's just not meshing. I'll say this too. Um, they're not able to put their foot on somebody's throat. And we've heard them mention it time and time again this season. We've got to finish teams. We've got to put them away. They had a chance to put away that Baltimore team in the first half of that road game. They were up by 14 points and could not do it. They had a chance to be up three possessions at halftime. Um, I mean, San Francisco too, they had a chance to really go up on them at the half could not do it. That ended up, I believe being a tie game at halftime. Um, and, and you look down the list, the first Detroit game that they won at home, they're lucky not to have been swept by the lions, by the way. Um, that first Detroit game at home, you had a chance to put them away. Carolina, 
you let them hang around and have a 96-yard drive to tie the game, but it shouldn't have gotten to that point. It should have put them away well before that. The Chargers, they kind of put away. Seattle, they kind of put away. But my point is they're not putting teams away. And then my last point is this about the, uh, the injuries. You kind of mentioned them earlier. When you compare the injuries to the offensive side of the ball versus the defense, it's incomparable that it's irrefutable that the defensive has suffered way more injuries to way more key players. But here are the games missed by key defensive players. Daniil Hunter has missed five games. Michael Pierce, seven. Dalvin Tomlinson, one. Everson Griffin, three. Anthony Barr, six. That's half the season. Eric Kendricks, one. Patrick Peterson, four. So Harrison Smith, two. So you look at Hunter has missed five games, Pierce seven, Barr six, Peterson four. I mean, and Hunter's the best defensive player on the team and one of the top five in the league. And then Michael Pierce, your big run-stuffing defensive tackle, has missed over half the season. Anthony Barr, who you, you, is a big part of this defense, uh, run defense especially, and covering running backs out of the backfield, he's missed half the season. Here's the games missed by the offensive starters. Kirk Cousins, none. Jefferson, none. Thielen, none. He'll miss his first this week, probably. K.J. Osborne, none. Dalvin Cook, three. Uh, Alexander Madison, zero. Ham, zero. Conklin, zero. O'Neal, zero. Udo, zero. Cleveland, zero. And Derrissaw and Bradbury on the O-line of each missed four. But Bradbury, arguably, we upgraded there when Mason Cole started at center. So, I mean, the, the offense has been way, way more intact, which is why a big reason why I place more blame on them for this five and seven record, because they have been way healthier. Take, and by the way, these defensive starters have missed time all at once. I mean, we've had games where we're missing four or five defensive starters at once. What if that happened to the offense? Where would we be? So... That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can say it's an excuse, but it's just the fact of the matter. They've been extremely banged up defensively. And for the most part, the offense has not picked up the slack. Well, Marshall, I do. I I have a potentially a little bit of a loaded question here, and I know you and I disagree on this, but at closing out games, clock management, uh, the you know just all the penalties general discipline general inconsistency at what point is this a cultural thing that is on the shoulders of the head coach versus individual players and individual leaders or performers on the team i mean there's there's definitely been a disconnect between players and coaches this year. Um, but I mean, a lot of people, it's, it's just the nature of the NFL. When, when we win, you know, it's ain't no stopping us now. And when we lose, it's, you know, fire Kubiak fires in fire. Spieler. I mean, it's kind of this knee jerk. After we were beating green Bay, nobody was talking about, a couple of weeks ago and Vikings were five and five and 
seemed like they had turned some things around and now they've lost a couple straight and everybody's back on that bandwagon. And, and by the way, people were talking about firing Mike Zimmer on a short week. That I don't think is, I, I'd be hard pressed to say it's ever happened in the history of the game. Uh, there, there haven't been, I mean, Thursday night games haven't happened for, for that long. But in-season firings are rare to begin with, but that's not happening on a short week when they literally have like four days between the Lions game and this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers this week on Thursday night football. So that isn't happening. And, and I think Mike Zimmer has through his equity with this team. Um, let's see. It's his eighth or ninth year as the head coach. Fourth or fifth or something. Yeah, eighth year. I think eighth year, yeah. Eighth year, eighth year as the head coach, and he's done some good things. He's been to the NFC Championship game. He's uh, won a playoff game in New Orleans as well. Um, should have won one against Seattle here, uh, if not for the Blair Walsh kick. So he, he's done some good things and suffered a lot of adversity. I would say more than a typical. It's not typical. Now, he, he got pretty fortunate, I think, when he came in to get to draft a, a quarterback and they drafted Teddy Bridgewater near the end of the first round, but Bridgewater had two seasons, one full-time as a starter, and then almost lost his leg due to a catastrophic and disgusting injury uh, in training camp prior to the 2016 season, and that, that threw everything off. Um, that, that threw off what they were planning to build. Would he have been the answer? We really don't know. I mean, he was, he was trending in the right direction, um, and Zimmer really liked him. Um, so, I mean, I think, and that's just the beginning. I mean, he had his first year, Adrian Peterson played one game. Um, he's lost Dalvin cook for the season. He's lost the year. They went to the NFC title game. They lost Sam Bradford, their starting quarterback for the season, went to the NFC title game with a backup quarterback in case Keenum. Um, he's lost Dalvin, uh, for the season before. Um, so you know, I think that he's been through a lot. He had his own situation with his eye uh, where he had to miss a game. Um, so he's been through a lot. I, I like him. Um, but, you know, I, I think if you could very well see a change being made, I don't think before the end of the season, Wilfs really don't do that. And I think Zimmer's earned the right to finish the season. And, and really at this point, I mean, if you lose on Thursday night, you'd probably have to win out to make, they, they have to go four and one to get to nine and eight to make the playoffs. So I think he's going to finish the season and then, then we'll see from there. See, see what happens these next five games. Uh, yeah, they, they've got to go four and one to have any chance. Um, and I, I honestly don't see that happening at this point. Um, and even if they did, I don't see them doing anything in the playoffs. I think, there's just something that is not making this team gel. Um, and I, I'm left to conclude that there's got to be, you know, a new approach and a new voice if that's the result that plays out. You know, I like Zimmer personally, but um, I think that just, you know, when in year eight, you got to be making more progress than this. Um, and what has been like the last couple of seasons um you know and and everyone's gonna have to be accountable uh Kirk and Spielman and the offensive line and Dalvin and all those folks I mean they're basically the only one that doesn't 
uh, deserve any criticism in any way, shape, or form at this point is Justin Jefferson. <laughs> um, yeah. but and even you know, and even I mean the only small thing I'll say is the past few weeks he's like tapped his chest a few times saying my bad on a route and there was a slant route which he broke off too early and Kirk almost threw an interception and Jefferson immediately was saying my bad he did throw an interception against the Green Bay Packers that was overturned thanks to a roughing the passer penalty, a helmet to helmet hit and Jefferson ran the wrong route on that play near the goal line. So, but he's but not what perfect I do, either, but yeah, he's pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, he, He's not perfect, but I will say what I do. I loved when he tapped his chest like that. Yeah. I, I think that more of this team needs to needs to stand up and, and hold themselves accountable like that and say, my bad publicly. Um, because I don't think they might privately and, uh, you know, uh, but I, I think across the board, they need to say, acknowledge their errors more and, and, you know, take accountability and, and demand better of themselves. But, um, you know, we, we'll see, it starts on Thursday and we'll see what happens, even though Thursday night football is always garbage and it's the worst thing that the NFL has ever done. I, I love football very much and I love it on every, uh, you know, you love watching it on almost every day, but the quality of football is terrible and it's going to be really tough um, on a short turnaround um, against the coach that arguably uh, got away that we should have never <laughs> let leave and Mike Tomlin, um, but uh, it's got to be a must win. Yeah, it is. A, it is a uh, must win. I'll, the only, last thing I'll say about coaching staff front office when you bring in a high-priced quarterback, whether that's re-signing your own guy or bringing in someone new as the Vikings did with Kirk Cousins, we were both in agreement that had to happen. That was the only option after the 2017 season. Um, when you do that, though, your, other, your margin for error on other moves is very slim. And uh, whether that's the draft, free agency, you have to hit on more of those than you typically would when you're paying a quarterback that much money. And they haven't hit on enough of those moves. Agreed. Uh, period. I, I mean, whether it's Garrett Bradbury, who you have to say has at this point been a bust so far, at least in year three. Um, whether, whether you look at the third round from this past year. Now, I'm not going to Get, the cornerbacks. I'm not, yeah. Look at I'm all not the gonna, high well, I'm not going to get mad about Kellen Mond not playing. I mean, we weren't expecting him to play. But how about the other third-round picks? Patrick Jones has barely seen the field. Uh, Chaz Surratt has been inactive more than active. Um, and there was another Wyatt thing. Davis. Wyatt Davis. Big miss. So, and for all the complaining about Ole Udo, in fairness to him, he wasn't supposed to be playing at this point in the season. Maybe to start the year, you know, because and, and kind of like Derisaw took over and he would have been a day one starter if he was healthy. But Rashad Hill played like four games and then Derisaw was in there. Um, but as for uh, as for Wyatt Davis, he got hurt a couple weeks ago. So he was out a couple games with an injury. Uh, but He's not seeing the field. There was one time when Ole Udo got hurt and Blake Randall came in at guard instead of Wyatt Davis, conspicuously. Uh, so what's happened with him? Obviously, it hasn't gone as well 
um, and everyone was saying we got a steal in the third round. Maybe that will turn out to be the case. You can't judge it, you know, a little over halfway into year one. But that, when you have, again, when you have a high-priced quarterback, your rookies need to play right away, especially when you have four third-round picks. You're talking all about it. This is a great third round. We had no second-round picks because we traded one for Unique and Gakwe, decided not to trade up, and the third-round picks have been a non-factor. And that's just, that's just not going to get it done. So uh, some of the free agent moves have been fine. Uh, some haven't, but I, I think the drafting, it's, it's not that they haven't focused on O-line in the draft. They have uh, the past few years. And they hit on O'Neal. And it looks like they hit on Derisaw, who's really been a beast, especially in the run game. But uh, the middle of that Cleveland's been growing into his own too. Cleveland's Cleveland's played well uh, this year, but, uh, but Bradbury in the center of that O line is a first round pick. So, and I'm not even going to blame him for the Jeff Gladney situation. No one could have foreseen that that idiotic move, like, uh, or like he was going to be a complete fool. Uh, You know, I'm not going to blame Spielman for that or even Mike Hughes's injuries. Um, But, you know, Laquan Treadwell didn't work out in the first round. That was before Kirk. But still, some of these first-round picks not worked out. And the first first first-round pick they had after they signed Kirk was Garrett Bradbury. So that that just hasn't worked. So, Marshall, let's end on what uh, what's your prediction for Thursday night? I don't feel very good about Thursday. I do the the one thing I say I'll say is uh, Pittsburgh's O line isn't great. Najee Harris doesn't have breakaway speed, but he does like run try to run through you. And Vikings run defense hasn't been great, but will they try to get him to the outside? It might be tough to run against Pearson Tomlinson, as Detroit found out. So they may try to run Najee to the outside. It will help. They're going to have Barr and Kendricks back. That helps. Um, and Pittsburgh's run D has not been good, but Thielen's not going to play. Uh, so Tomlin is going to be able to focus in on Jefferson. That ha- it didn't matter for Detroit, but Tomlin's an elite uh, defensive mind. And this is, <laughs> I was watching the end of that uh, Ravens-Steelers game, and I was really hoping the Ravens would pull it out because that would have almost pushed Pittsburgh out of the playoff race. Now, Ben Roethlisberger has it leak that this is probably his last season. Sure enough, they play an amazing game against Baltimore uh, and, and beat them in Pittsburgh. So now they're coming in fired up, and the Vikings are coming in uh, off of off a heartbreaking loss to the winless Lions, who had not won a game in 364 days and had not won before fans in about two years. So... Uh, I think it'll be another close game. That's the theme of the Vikings season, but um, I think, I, I don't know if I've predicted a loss on this show, but no, you haven't. I seem to always find the silver lining, but uh, maybe I'll predict a loss this week and it'll turn around to, to a, to a victory. Hopefully. Uh, we always hope for a victory. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to be outrageous and just say, I think we're going to get a tie. I think it's just going to be an <laughs> ugly, ugly tie. That's cool. An ugly, ugly tie between two really struggling teams despite the, you know, the Ravens win. I think it's Pittsburgh's just... Pittsburgh's second tie. 
I, yes, I'm They're already a fun tie set. against the Detroit Lions, by the way. Yes. Uh, so you have a, a matchup of a game here, the team that lost to the Detroit Lions and the team that tied the Detroit Lions. Exactly. So <laughs> I just – it's Thursday night football is just so bad, and both teams I just think are in rough shape. So I think it's just going to be ugly. And, and so why not just have it end up being a, a tie between two teams that don't really know how to – um play clean football right now so that's what i'm gonna go with my goodness i hope that is not i'm gonna be at the game i hope that is not the case uh we, we don't need to see that and then you know then next week's show is all weird no <laughs> yeah, let's let's just get the win and keep the season interesting and then next week will be monday night football so two straight national tv games for the vikings Next week's Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears. I uh, have not seen the Bears yet this year, so uh, we'll see if we see Fields or uh, Andy Dalton in that one. Uh, but first things first, Pittsburgh Steelers, Thursday night at U.S. Bank Stadium. That's it for this week. For Matt Galvin, I'm Marshall Kellner. Talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.